Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It's a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our triune God. Hearty welcome to all those who are present here, as well as those who are following us on live stream. It's a pleasure to, to have you join us. May the preaching of the gospel message strengthen us, encourage, and direct our hearts and minds in faith to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Reverend uh, Witten is going to be leading this afternoon's worship service. He comes to us from this, our sister church in Valdivis. Before we begin this worship service, let's join in song, hymn 47, verse 4. Sisters, if you're able, please rise out of respect for the Lord for worship. As we come before the Lord, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Let us receive the greeting of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let us praise the Lord of singing Psalm 92. This stands as 1 and 2.
Brothers and sisters, let us together with the Church of all times and places make confession of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed as we have it in hymn number one. now go before the Lord in prayer and ask for his blessing over our worship this afternoon. Oh Lord God and Father, we thank you that we may come together as your people for worship again a second time this Lord's Day, that we can call upon your name, that we can sing your praises and give up our offerings. Oh Lord, we pray for your blessing over our worship and over your word as it is proclaimed, that we would correctly understand it and that we'd have hearts that are open to it. We pray for a blessing upon your word as it, as it is preached all around the world on this day. We thank you for the labors of faithful missionaries. Will you strengthen and encourage also our missionaries on the mission field in Papua New Guinea, that you bless the work that's being done in your church there, and among those who do not know you or who have only heard of a false gospel. We pray that you give strength to the missionaries and, and mission workers in that place. We thank you for the, the faithful labors of the seminary in Hamilton as young men are trained for gospel ministry. Lord, we pray that you'd use this institution to raise up preachers here and for other countries our, around the world. Oh Lord, we thank you that we may be part of a federation of churches, the Free Reformed Churches of Australia. Help us to remain faithful and to be accountable to one another and to encourage and, and build each other up and to cooperate as churches together. We thank you that all over the world you are gathering your church and we thank you for faithful sister churches whom we have gotten to know. 
Lord, you know your people in different places experience different pressures and challenges and have different strengths and weaknesses as well. We pray for those nations where your people live in a country where there's warfare and where they are not safe. We think particularly of your church in Ukraine. Will you protect and preserve your people there? Also in the, the great pressures and devastation that they are experiencing, we pray that there would be a restoration of peace and freedom. We think of brothers and sisters in places where they are poor, where they do not have access to the basic necessities of life. Bless the help that is given. Help them to continue to place their hope and trust in you and your care for them. Also in a time of want and, and poverty. Lord, in this land, we thank you for the peace and prosperity that we enjoy. Lord, we pray that we would not grow complacent through that or apathetic, but rather that we press on and use the gifts that you've given to us. Bless our government and the, the ruling of our nation. Lord, we know that also there are many things that happen in this country which are not pleasing to you. Sin at times is celebrated and affirmed. There is much injustice. And so, Lord, we pray for our repentance in our land, that the gospel would go out and that the witness of your church would cause our government and the people of this country to repent from a path of sin and to turn back to the path of life. We pray also for brothers and sisters who are unable to gather for worship with us this day due to sickness or disability or advanced age. Bless and strengthen and encourage them through your word. That your word would go out and that your spirit would work through it. And that we'd grow in godliness and maturity for your glory and honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I invite you to take your Bibles this afternoon and we'll read from the Gospel, the gospel according to Matthew. We'll start in chapter 11, verse 25. And we read this in connection with what we confess in Lord's Day 38 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 38 of the Heidelberg Catechism deals with the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And in Matthew chapter 11 and 12, we receive instruction from our Lord about the Sabbath. So begin at 11 verse 25 and read through 12 verse 14. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light.
At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered their synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. And he said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out. And it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. That's for our reading from Matthew. Let us sing together from Psalm 63, the stanzas 1 and 2.
text for the sermon this afternoon is God's word as we together confess it and summarize it in Lord's Day 48 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 48, here we confess. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained. And that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, today is, is Sunday, the, the Lord's Day. Do you know how to celebrate the Lord's Day? Now, you have, you have habits, I'm sure. All of us would have, have different habits, just perhaps the things that we grew up with, maybe, or the things that we are discipled in by other Christians. Our catechism also lays out clearly what's required of us in the, the fourth commandment. But would you say you are, are growing in your obedience to the fourth commandment? Just think perhaps about other commandments. For example, uh, the use of your tongue. One Christian might say, I'm, yeah, I, I, I need to grow in how I, I use my tongue, that I, I, I don't gossip or I don't slander. And so I'm really aware of, of how I talk, and I'm trying to grow and, and put to death these, these sins of the tongue which I, I recognize in myself. I recognize that at times the way I talk isn't appropriate, and so I'm, I'm really focusing on that lately. I, I want to grow in how I speak, to speak in a more God-honoring, upbuilding, edifying way. Another Christian might say, well, I, I, I'm struggling against the sin of lust, and so I'm, I'm really working hard to, to put that sin to death, and I, I have other brothers who are, who are helping me with that so that I can grow in, in my obedience to the seventh commandment. And maybe those other things in your life, areas where you recognize that there's temptations that you face and that you, that you are struggling hard to, to make progress, to put to death your sin, and to, to more and more live according to God's commandments in obedience to him. But what about, what about the fourth commandment, the observance of the Sabbath? Would you say you are, are growing in the way in which you remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Thinking about what, what is pleasing to the Lord in how we spend the, the Lord's day. Maybe when you you ask yourself those questions or if you have a discussion about those sort of things, you might think, well, that, that sounds kind of uh, pharisaical. Maybe there's a bell that goes on in your head. You say, this, this sounds eh, maybe, maybe legalistic, a bit pharisaical to, to think that way or talk that way. Well, this afternoon, we'll give attention to the fourth commandment and specifically the Lord Jesus' interactions with 
the Pharisees. Lord Jesus teaches his disciples how to properly understand God's commandments. And so I bring to you God's word with this theme. In Christ we have Sabbath rest. We'll see, without Christ there is no Sabbath rest. And second, with Christ there is true Sabbath rest. So by the time you come to Matthew chapter 11, the opposition to the Lord Jesus is growing. The Lord Jesus had been preaching the good news of the kingdom. He had done amazing miracles which showed who he was as the Messiah. But instead of trusting in him, the Jewish leaders, they, they were rejecting him. And they were also strategically looking for ways to, to undermine him and to undermine his, his ministry. And so then it happens on the, the Sabbath day. Apparently, the, the paths at times would go through the middle of, of grain fields. And it was acceptable to, for a traveler to, to casually pick some grain and to, to eat it while you're walking through a grain field. Deuteronomy 23 says that when you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use the sickle on your neighbor's standing grain. So you're not allowed to, to take a sickle and harvest his grain, but, but you could just pluck something with your hand. That was, that was allowed. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now, when you, in your, in your mind, imagine what's going on, you think, well, that sounds kind of trivial. Like they're just walking through a field, they pick some grain and, and put it in their mouth. Like, does that work seriously? Like, it sounds pretty, pretty petty. But the Pharisees, they're looking for an occasion to criticize Jesus and as the, as the teacher, as the master. He's also responsible for the behavior of his disciples. And so they say, your disciples are, not, are doing what is not lawful. Now, how does Jesus respond to that? Jesus mentions David eating the showbread and, and the priests who work in the temple. What, was it true that, that, technically speaking, the disciples were transgressing the commandment? And the Lord Jesus, his response is like, well, this is no big deal. That it's, it's okay to ignore that commandment every now and again, maybe. Well, let's step back and consider the Old Testament and the background of the Old Testament about the fourth commandment. The origin of the fourth commandment is older than the law of Moses. The Lord gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments at Sinai, but the, the origin of the Ten Commandments is, of course, or of the, the fourth commandment is, of course, is older than that. We read in Genesis chapter 2, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So God had, had sanctified the seventh day. God had set apart a day of rest. It was holy, that means it's set apart for a t- particular purpose. And this was something that, that comes from creation. So we, we might call that a, a creation ordinance, in the same way that that marriage is a creation ordinance, and, and, and family a created creation ordinance. That this is something that God designed. It's not something that we, we've just come up with ourselves. No, this is something that God gave to the people. And so also, the Sabbath is a creation ordinance. 
Now, later in the Mosaic Law, in the time of Moses, elements were added to the seventh day. There were sacrifices that had to be made on the Sabbath. There were certain times when, certain times of the year when all the people would, would gather to the temple or to the tabernacle. There are festivals like the Passover and the, the Feast of Booths. But, but the Sabbath day itself, the day of rest, was, was from creation. God rested on the seventh day. Now, of course, this was not a, a rest of exhaustion. The Lord does not grow tired or weary. That, that cannot be. But instead, God, God rested, you might say, as, as an artist in contemplation of his work. And this was a, a pattern that God established for his people of work and rest. And so God's people were to delight in God's work of creation. God gave them a day on which to delight and to reflect upon and to celebrate his mighty works of creation. Each little flower that opens, each little bird that sings, he made their glowing colors, he made their tiny wings. All things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small, all things wise and wonderful, the Lord God made them all. So Adam and Eve could, could rest and reflect on the wonder of God's creation. So even if there had never been a, a fall into sin, there was still a Sabbath. But yet the fall into sin changed things. When you, when you look around at the world, there is still a lot of beauty in the world, to be sure. But there's also a lot that is not beautiful. You see a lot of, of ugliness, of the effects of sin, of, of pollution, of garbage, dirty water and barren soil. This world itself has, has been broken because of sin. It, it, it's under the curse because of sin. But not just the creation, of course, also people, also we ourselves are broken because of sin. So our, our bodies can trouble us. There can be sickness and pain. In the end, if the Lord doesn't come back first, we will die. Christians can suffer chronic pain for, for years. And also, on the inside, in, in our own hearts, of course, things are not as they should be. When you look in the hearts, in our own hearts, things are not always beautiful either. Many people do not love God or acknowledge Him, even though they live in the, the world that He's made. But also, among believers, the, the sinful desires of our flesh still cling to us. You see selfishness, you see pride, you see lust, you see envy and jealousy. So with the fall into sin, so much of creation and so much of ourselves is broken. And so after the fall into sin, the meaning of the Sabbath also grows. So the Sabbath is, is reflecting on God's good work of creation. But then after the fall into sin, it, the meaning grows. And it's, it's reflecting not just on creation, but also on God's mighty work of salvation. You might even say recreation. And you see that in the two different versions that we receive of the Ten Commandments. We read the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5 and in Exodus 20. And for the fourth commandment, in each of those commandments, there's... There's different, a different rationale given for observing the Sabbath day. So, for example, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 5, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Whereas in Exodus 20, the, the rationale given is, is because of creation. Six days the Lord created and, and then rested. In Deuteronomy 5, it's, it's the Lord's work of redemption. The Lord has rescued you from Egypt. And so on the seventh day, we, God's people remember not just creation, but also his redemption, also his salvation. We sang from Psalm 92, a song for the Sabbath day. And it says, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At all the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. And so the Lord gave his people a day of rest so that they could reflect upon and celebrate his work, his work of creation and his work of redemption. And God's people were to take this uh, very seriously. God commanded that they were not allowed to do their regular work. They were not allowed to buy or sell or trade on the Sabbath. They were forbidden from making their servants work, their children or even their animals. In the Old Testament, the punishment for willful disobedience to this commandment was, was being cut off from God's people. It was actually death. So we read in Numbers 15, Now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, The man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. So as the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. So God knows the, the hearts of his people, how prone they were to wander from him, prone not to find their rest in him, prone to forget about God. And so God commanded them to remember the Sabbath day. And they were to take this very seriously. Okay, then bring it back then to Matthew chapter 11. So the, the disciples and the Lord Jesus, they're living under that Mosaic Old Testament covenant. They were to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and that had to be done strictly. Were the, were the Pharisees perhaps right? Did, did Jesus' disciples, did they disobey the, the Sabbath day here? Now, some commentaries reading this think, well, yeah, no, they did, but the Lord Jesus' message was that it, it doesn't really matter. But surely that can't be the case. Surely that can't be true. The Lord Jesus, being perfect, could not disobey, even, even a little bit, any of God's commandments. Right? The Lord Jesus is perfectly holy, and so he could not disobey or, or countenance the disobedience of any of God's commandments. He perfectly obeyed God's law for us. Now, instead, what we find is the Lord Jesus teaches his disciples how to properly understand God's commandments. So you see the the Jewish leaders at that time had made extra rules around the, the Ten Commandments. They had made extra rules about the Sabbath. 
Apparently, they, they listed uh, 39 occupations with some subcategories of jobs which were forbidden on the Sabbath. And the rationale is that if you, if you, if you put a fence around the Sabbath, then that, that keeps people even, even getting close to it, disobedience to the Sabbath. So kind of like you put a fence 10 feet from the road that, that keeps anyone from even getting close to the road. But these extra rules that they made, they had become a heavy burden for the people. The Lord Jesus elsewhere warned them on that. He said, you, you, you put heavy burdens on the people. And so they changed the day from one of, of joyful celebration of God's goodness to uh, a heavy burden. So that it wasn't even okay to do, to do good to people on the Sabbath. And more than that, it wasn't only that they had made extra rules, but also that they believed that they were righteous for keeping these rules. You see, the law shows us our sin. The law shows us how we fall short of God's righteousness and how much we need our Savior. But that was not, that was not the takeaway that they took from the law. Instead, they thought they were righteous through their obedience to the law. And that is what we call legalism. Legalism is, is believing that through your obedience to the law, you make yourself righteous before God. It wasn't, wasn't just the fact that they had rules. No, it's through the obedience to those rules that they thought they became righteous. And so then there's no need, of course, for the Lord Jesus. There's no need for a Savior if you can manage to keep yourself righteous yourself. And so what we see is the Lord Jesus, as it were, shoveling all the muck off the commandment. And so the Lord Jesus first reminds them of David, whom, whom they all respected. David, when he was on the run from Saul, and his men were hungry, they came to the priests, and the only bread available was the showbread. And so David and his followers ate the bread. Now that was against the ceremonial law. But if that was the case for David, how much more then could Jesus' disciples not ignore these extra rules of the Pharisees? Second example is that of the priests. The priests had to work on the Sabbath. Now, if you, if you stop and think about actually what went on in the temple, you realize that the priests actually had to work fairly hard with all those sacrifices. Think of all that's required in, in herding animals or in, in sacrificing an animal and, and putting it on the altar and, and tending the fire and moving the, the coals or the, the ash off the altar. They also, the priests also, we know, taught the people priest would have been, you'd imagine, tired after the Sabbath day. But the Lord Jesus says they are blameless. That's what the Lord commanded them to do. So how much more the disciples who are with the Lord Jesus, who is God dwelling among them, how much more could they ignore the requirements of these Jewish leaders? And finally, our Lord Jesus, he, he mentions David, he mentions the priests, and then he quotes to them from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the context of, of Hosea's prophecy here is a situation where outwardly the people were keeping the rules, but how there, there was no love for the Lord in their life. There's no love for their neighbor. They did not understand that their obedience must be motivated by love. 
And that was, that was the problem that the Pharisees shared. Even though they may be strict with their obedience, there was no mercy. They added so many rules that you, that you weren't even allowed to show mercy as the Lord Jesus did to that man. So the problem isn't just the rules. No, the problem is that this kept them from loving the Lord. They did not have love for the Lord and their neighbor. And so they missed out on what the Sabbath was meant to do, which was to cause them to reflect on God's salvation for them. And there it was right in front of them, the Lord Jesus. And they're missing it. They didn't believe they needed it. It's actually a, a very hard way to live, don't you think? Having, having so many rules to keep and trying harder and, and harder and harder and never quite making it. It's not a, not a restful way to live. Do you know what that's like, uh, to do that? Do you think that could be a danger for us as God's people today? Imagine it certainly could happen that a, a Christian community could come up with a lot of extra rules that we might add to the Word of God, which could make our lives uh, burdensome. God's Word is, is really clear. This is a Lord's Day, and so it is a day of, of rest and worship. It's a day where we focus on, on meditating on God's works, and, and nothing may interfere with that. And so as families, it's, it's healthy that you have boundaries with what you do and what you don't do on the Lord's Day. But certainly we may not lay heavy burdens on one another that, that actually make it more difficult to focus on rest and worship today. But of course, the, the problem of the, the Pharisees was, was even deeper than that. The problem is that they, they were not willing to to trust God and to rest in him and to accept his salvation. And that perhaps in our lives is, is even more difficult to spot. It could be fairly easy to spot if we're, if we're adding all kinds of rules to, to our life that are outside of the scripture. You might say, I, I can see that. But what may be harder for you to see are ways in which you and I are not finding our rest in God and his salvation. What, what could that look like, for example? Well, on the one hand, it might look like somebody who is, who is very driven in their work. Somebody who's, who's stressed and who's, you might say, a, a workaholic. We might think that as long as I'm successful, well, then, then my life's okay. Then... Then I, then I have purpose and meaning. And work becomes a, an idol. But you could also have somebody completely on the other side of the, the spectrum. Somebody you might say who is, well, lazy. Who lives for their own comfort and who isn't willing to really exert themselves. Now they also find their rest, not in the Lord, but they find their rest well, in their leisure, in their comforts. You might say they, they seem to be opposites, but the, the problem is really the same. The problem is not resting in God and trusting in him. Where do, you, where do you find your peace and rest in life? 
don't, don't answer that question too quickly, but, but consider carefully, where do you find your, your peace and rest in life? We confess in, in the Heidelberg Catechism that idolatry is having or inventing something in which to put our trust instead of or, or in addition to the only true God. And our hearts, there, there are a lot of different ways that you and I can do that. Right? We, can, we can put our trust in, in our work. We can put our trust in our, in our possessions. I can think about myself, if, if, only I, if only I had that, then my life would be great. Or as long as I can do this, as long as I have that, then, then my life is great. And, and whatever that thing is, that's, that's the idol. Right? That's what I'm, I'm finding my rest and my comfort and my hope in. That's our, our sinful nature to do that, is to, to get distracted from the only true God who, who gives us everything good and to, and to place it in, in people or in things, in ambitions, in our work. But the Lord Jesus doesn't only show us the, the problem. The Lord Jesus also shows us the answer, that he is the one who can give people true rest. The Lord Jesus did not abolish the law, no, but he fulfilled the law and he taught the people how to properly understand it. And so with our second point, we'll see how with Christ there is true rest. Without Christ, there, there's no rest. But with Christ, there is true rest. Jesus went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and there's a, a trap waiting for him. There's this man who needs help, who, who really needs help. He has a, a, dis, a serious disability, a, a withered hand. Now, what's really so offensive and vile about the situation is that Jesus' opponents are going to exploit the situation to try and get some dirt on him. It's a, it's a trap. And so they ask him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they're asking the question not because they're genuinely interested in his answer, but they want some dirt in order to accuse him. According to Pharisaic regulations, you could not heal on the Sabbath. Apparently the rule was if, if someone's life was in danger, well then you might be able to intervene. But failing that, it, it could wait till the next day. And Jesus responds with a question. He says, what man is there among you who has one sheep and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? So if, if you'd help an animal, how much more a person? Of course a person is more valuable. Of course it's, it's lawful to show mercy, to help someone. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And so on the basis of this passage, the Christian church has always understood that it's appropriate and good to show mercy and to, to help others on the Lord's day. And so, for example, doctors and nurses working in hospitals, caring for the sick and the aged, also have necessary work to do on the Lord's day. Farmers, too, there, there is some work that needs to be done in caring for animals on the Lord's day. But also for all of us to, to show mercy to others, to visit the lonely, to encourage the sick. Are there, are there perhaps people that you could encourage on the Lord's day? What would that look like for you to, to carefully consider how can I show mercy on the Lord's day. If you, if you were to look around, is, is there works of, of necessity and mercy that need your attention 
and your, your effort. But the Lord Jesus teaches us also something more profound through this healing. You see, this man's withered hand is, is a picture of the brokenness that sin has brought into the world. This sin, sin has done so much damage to creation and to our hearts. You might say it's like a, a bomb went off in the world and the shrapnel lodged itself all over creation, also in our bodies. There's leprosy, blindness, or blindness, lameness, death. The world isn't the way it ought to be. And so when our Lord Jesus comes healing, the Lord Jesus is demonstrating that actually he's, he's dealing with the, the root problem behind all these problems. The root problem behind the, the man's withered hand and, and the root problem behind the, the blind and the lame. The root problem really is, is sin. That's what's caused the damage in the world and in our lives. And so when he says, stretch out your hand, and he stretches it out, and it's restored as whole as the other. That was a sign that the Lord Jesus was teaching, that he's dealing with, with the main problem in our life. The main problem that has caused so much brokenness and suffering. Although Jesus had done nothing wrong, he himself came to suffer. He bore in body and soul the wrath of God for all our sins. And so that curse which, which lays on all of creation... That curse of death, he himself bore on the cross. And so all who believe in him now have forgiveness of their sins. And so on the Sabbath, we remember that. We remember his work of creation, but we also remember his work of recreation, of redemption. On the first day of the week, the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. He broke the, the bonds of slavery to sin and Satan. His work of redemption was completed not on the seventh day, like creation, but on the first day. And that's why God's people in the New Testament gather not on the seventh day, but gather on the first day of the week. And the reason that you have to celebrate are not less. No, we, we know so much more. We've seen more. No, our, our reasons for rest and celebration have not diminished, but rather grown. How do you do that? How do you, how do you do that as God's people here? Well, we gather to, to praise the Lord and to worship together. This is the Lord's day. We read in Acts chapter 20, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Our catechism uses the word uh, diligent to describe this. God's people diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord and to give Christian offerings to the poor. Now, diligent means a, a constant, constant effort to accomplish something. It means being attentive and, and persistent. Would you say that's, that's an accurate way to describe the way in which you celebrate the Lord's, the Lord's Day as a family? Diligent. Are you devoted to attend the church of God and to hear God's word proclaimed? If you're to have a, a coworker, for example, who, who turns up to work you know, half the time without really any, any reasonable explanation for him, you had a coworker who only turns up to work half the time, would you, would you say, you know, that guy, he's diligent? Of course you would. No one would. That doesn't make sense. No. 
And so also with, with the day of rest, are we diligent? Do you have, do you have healthy habits that, that help you focus on what the Lord's day is about and, and resting and worshiping the Lord? Not on, not on entertainment, but a day of physical and spiritual refreshment. And so you can use this day to be refreshed in the Lord. You can spend time singing in, together at, at worship, but also at home. You can spend more time in the Word, studying the Word, in discussing your faith, in reading and, and growing in your knowledge of the Lord. You can spend time in fellowship with your brothers and sisters, in getting to know one another better and encouraging one another in your walk with the Lord. So the Sabbath is a day for, for doing good, for showing mercy. And so is that a question you can ask yourself? How, how could I be showing mercy also today? Are there, are there somebody's burdens that I could help carry in relief? Is there a way in which I could offer encouragement to the discouraged? To reach out, to, to go for a walk, or to, to, to go for a visit? And ask, how, yeah, how are you doing? How are you, how are you really doing? How can the, the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus, how can that hope be more present in our conversations? We can, we can practice that. We can grow in that, can't we? To talk about the works of the Lord and to help each other learn to find our rest in the Lord. Because this is the Lord's day. It's not a day set aside for our self-indulgence, but it's a day to remember and celebrate his works. Now, what if, what if we have to conclude, reflecting on the commandment this afternoon, what if we have to conclude that, that this isn't something that we are really thinking about as we should? That actually, uh, there's aspects of my, my Sabbath rest celebration where I, where I should and ought to be more diligent. How, apart from going to church twice, it's really not a very different day than any other day than Saturday. When we, when we think that, don't, don't become defensive. Don't say this, is, this must, be, must be Pharisaism or this must be legalism. No, the Lord calls us to rest in him, to obey his commandments diligently out of joy. You know, sometimes our hearts could be like the, like the, the, the hand of that, that man, dry and withered, Perhaps we allow the, the busyness of life to, to choke out our joy in the Lord. Perhaps we've allowed other, other priorities to, to take control of our hearts and to, to dominate our time and attention. The Lord says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so we turn to the Lord and Ask for his guidance by the Holy Spirit so that we will learn to rest in him. So this day, it, it sets the tone for your whole week. The day of rest sets your tone for your whole week. It directs us to, to the future. How we're, how we're living for the Lord and how we look forward to, to being with the Lord in glory forever. We look forward to a time when our struggle against sin will be complete when we'll no longer have to fight against our, our, our wrong priorities or our own selfishness. Our catechism says that all the days of my life, I rest from my evil works, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, 
And so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. So already now the, the eternal Sabbath has begun. The day is coming when you won't have to fight against your sin. The day is coming when there'll be no more withered hands or, or sickness or stress or, or unrest. The day is coming when you'll be with the Lord in glory forever. And so the Lord says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And by faith, you will enjoy that rest forever. Amen. Let us sing and rejoice in the Lord with the words of Psalm 81, the stanzas 1 through 3. Let's go before the Lord in thanksgiving and prayer. O oh Lord God and Father, we thank you that you do give every reason for us to have joy. We thank you for this day of rest, a gift from you. We know our Lord Jesus has obeyed your law perfectly, that he perfectly obeyed your commandments, and that now his righteousness is applied to us. That for us there is free and full forgiveness of all of our sins, and that you look at us, not as sinners, but as people who have, in every detail, obeyed your commandments. O Lord, help us then to live a life of thankfulness and joy. Help us to also grow in obedience to the fourth commandment, to rest from our evil works all the days of our life, and also to worship you with your people with joy. Help us to grow an insight into your word. We thank you for opportunities to study your word together. Also, the Bible Study Societies. We thank you for 
brothers and sisters with whom we can learn and grow and in our knowledge of you. We pray for parents that you'd grant them the wisdom to raise their children in the fear of your name, to teach them how to also observe the Lord's day. Bless the work of catechetical instruction, that the young people of the church would be founded solidly on the truths of your word, would know the doctrines of your word, and therefore be able to walk with confidence in this world. We thank you for a blessing of Christian education in this country, that the young people, the children, can grow up learning about the world that you've made, but also understanding and seeing that world as your world and glorifying and praising you for it. Well, Lord, we pray that you'd refresh us through this day and equip us, each of us, for our callings, for our daily work in this new day, this new week. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you now have an opportunity to worship the Lord through your financial gifts, which will be received for the work in Papua New Guinea. And afterwards, we will rise and sing from, from hymn 37, the stanzas 1 and 2.
brothers and sisters, let us receive the blessing of the Lord and go our way in peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.